This is BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now live from Studio C, it's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Oh, BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play back at Studio C, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is a Wednesday. It is September 7th. Wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up alongside a man who is propositioning Utah County to add a T next to the Y on Y Mountain. His name is Jerem Jordan. They wanted it in 89, 90, 91 for Ty Demmer. I want it now. Uh, yeah. Speaking yeah. of, Eli's place, formerly called Peyton's place. Uh, Eli Manning came to Provo in June and hung out with Ty Detmer and Jim McMahon. That episode is out now on ESPN Plus where he talks about QBU. This is truly QBU. I'm excited to watch it. I haven't watched it yet. It came out at midnight. I'm getting too old to just wake up at midnight and no watch No more stuff. midnight viewings for you? No, not when the two kids are invading our uh, bedroom to sleep in okay. our room. You know, it's like, hey, get out of here. Uh, but I'm busy watching Eli's place. But, no, seriously, that was a thing back in the 90s where people were like, let's put up a T. Sure. And, and did they do it at some point with bed sheets we were talking about this morning or something? Something. Like, they, think, they figured out something. To do this. The Y is massive. Like, there's no way. It's unbelievable that that exists at all. Originally, they were going to put BYU up there. But they did just the Y, which is a good move. It would have just been a B, which would have been fine, too. But the Y is cool. And if you go up there, it's made to be seen on the valley yes, floor. Yes. It's the, the neck of the Y is, like, super long. Like a bronchiosaurus type thing. You go up there and you're like, wow. They engineered this in, like, 1906 or something. So that on the valley floor, you can see the wine. It looked proportional. It's amazing. It's fantastic. Now they got those permanent lights so they can just they can flip a switch. Yes, they can. Light up it's, the wine. It's pretty cool. I wish it was lit up way more, like all the time. It's just like homecoming after wins yeah. and football. It's hey, like, well, let's, let's hope more. that uh, the Y is lit both figuratively and literally Saturday night. The honor code off is coming for you. When it is lit after a BYU victory. Hey, uh, <laughs> today's show lineup is lit, but honor code appropriate. Okay. New rankings for BYU football. The Cougars inching closer to a top 20 spot. How many spots did they jump? And is it going to be the biggest jump that BYU makes this season? We're going to discuss all of that and what's on the line against Baylor in terms of rankings. New basketball schedule for the men of BYU. How many good games do they have? And by good, I mean how many resume-building opportunities do they have? Nick Robinson is going to join us. Yes, are there enough? And my one-on-one with BYU tight end Dallin Holker, who got into the end zone and BYU's 50-point outburst in South Florida. How would he rate his celebration? That, among other things, discussed with the budding star for BYU. Bring on today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Men's Hoops releases its non-conference schedule, highlighted by a road game at San Diego State on November 11th, the battle for Atlantis in the Bahamas. We're both trying to get on that trip still. Yes, please. Creighton in Vegas and Utah at home on December 17th. The season begins Monday, November 7th at home against Idaho State. More on this and what's trending. As promised, rankings for BYU football find the Cougars at number 21. They jump four spots from their previous position of number 25. Baylor, this week's opponent, up one spot to number nine. How about that? A top 21 matchup, if you will. The Cougars. <laughs> market it, let's market it that way. Yes. Top 21 Like the Mountain matchup. West Conference. Top 44 top teams. Right? 44. Top 21 matchup. Uh, how many spots will BYU jump if they beat Baylor? That, that is an interesting conversation point. Cougars and Dub Bears of Baylor Saturday night. Pre-game on BYU TV and BYU Radio at 8 Eastern. BYU head coach Klein Taki says, Baylor's really good. 
they're the champs, you know. And and uh, when we played them last year, I knew that they had a special team. You could just see it and, and the strength on the team and the um, just the, the way that they're coached. I think Dave Randa does a great job with that crew, and obviously Grimey's there with him. But uh, they get they get the most out of their guys. Their guys are tough, physical, and they're they're athletic. Um, they they won the Big 12 championship. So if we if we want to be it able to compete. These are the guys. These are the top dogs and we get them at home. Can't wait. Saturday night on the NFL beat New York Jets head coach Robert Sala has spoken on Zach Wilson again and says he will not start this week against the Baltimore Ravens. Not a shocker. And the earliest Zach Wilson will be available is week four when the Jets play the Steelers. Wow. Week four. Well, this affects our uh, fantasy uh, play here. So yeah, uh, I'm going to have to uh, make some moves here. Women's soccer dropped seven spots to 13 in the United Soccer Coaches Bowl after a 3-2 loss to unranked Alabama last week. Utah State also lost to Alabama in football. Yep. Cougars host Arkansas, uh, who beat Cincinnati in play it all Thursday. Utah Valley Saturday, so it's a two for in three days for women's soccer this week. More soccer notes. Ashley Hatch, the former BYU standout, subbed in for Team USA and the women's national soccer team friendly last night against Nigeria. Two to one win for Team USA. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Resume building. Yes, I know we're smack dab early in the middle of the college football season, but we just got the BYU men's basketball schedule. Hot off the press. My question for you, Jeremy, is as we look at this, we're all wondering, okay, missed out on the NCAA tournament last year. How do the Cougars get back to the NCAA tournament? And are there enough games on this schedule that would yeah. help BYU make a tournament worthy resume. So does the non-conference schedule do enough, in your opinion, to build the at-large resume? Yeah, and we're not talking about the roster and how we think they'll perform against the schedule, just the schedule, to be clear. Yes, San Diego State, that's a great road game. I, I love that game. I'm not sure if I'll still love it uh, with the Big 12 schedule. Uh, we, may, we may get to the point where uh, yeah. <laughs> we're just like, hey, just win as many games in non-con as you can. But uh, the, the Missouri State game at home, that's a sneaky one because Missouri State was 72 in the net last year. So that, you're hoping that's quad two. Hoping it stays quad two, yes. Hoping, probably not, but we'll see. Uh, Battle for Atlantis is really good. USC, obviously a rematch from when BYU went to Uncasville, Connecticut uh, a couple years ago. You were there. I was there. Weird, weird uh, crazy place. Uh, Kansas, North Carolina State sitting there in that second round. If BYU beats USC, it would li likely line up with Kansas. Great resume-building game. If you can win that, amazing, right? Dayton, Wisconsin, Butler, Tennessee. Wisconsin, uh, 25th, Tennessee, 7th in the net. So there's a couple of games sitting there that really could be quad ones, quad twos. Butler was 117, a little bit of a surprise in the net. And then, of course, uh, Utah. Utah was 133 in the net. At home for BYU, that's going to be a quad three potentially. If Utah, here's the thing, you want Utah to be good because then it helps your resume, and if you win that, it's great. But if Utah loses all 31 regular season games, that'd be fine with me. Um, I, there are enough, but it depends on uh, BYU's ability to go to San Diego State and do what it has done historically with the likes of Charles Abu and Abuo and Alex Barcelo and company, which is go to San Diego State and win that game. And then the battle for Atlantis, it's really important that BYU wins that first game. they got to get on that winner side of the bracket. Get a, get a win over USC, get a yeah. game with yeah. Kansas, just see what it's like, right? And then hopefully you get another game against ideally Wisconsin or Tennessee. And then it's enough because you know you got two quad ones with Gonzaga. You know you've got hopefully two with St. Mary's, at, at least, at least one, one on the road. 
And then last year, BYU had two quad ones with San Francisco Santa and had Santa Clara as well. Yes. I don't expect Santa Clara to be as good as they were. Jalen Williams went like 12th in the draft. Unbelievable. San Francisco, I don't expect them to be as good either. That was like a banner year. Bill Russell was like, that was amazing. Bill Cartwright, too, was at a ton of games. There are enough. Now, at a later date, we will discuss this BYU team and roster how they stack up against said schedule. But there are enough there. And the, the key to that whole thing is the MT, the multi-team event, the battle for Atlantis. That is a good turn. That's the second best MT you can play in. Maui is number one. We've discussed eight quad one opportunities as like a decent mark for BYU to hit year in and year out with the schedule. We believe there are eight on this schedule. So as long as there are eight opportunities and maybe BYU can string together three and five. Three and five is fine. That's, Three and that's five, good, like, again, yeah. basketball, you are rewarded for playing challenging teams. We and can if you get a few it. of those, yeah. you are double rewarded. Yeah. Like a three and five mark against eight quad one teams is tournament resume worthy. You only played 10 last year, Spencer, and went four and six. But had some terrible losses. Well, just one. No quad three losses, one quad four loss at Pacific. That one, ah, that one that hurts. hurts. Even it, without that one, I'm still not sure BYU makes attorney. It was, it was tough. That was a bad loss, though. Because San, Fran, uh, San Francisco ended up just squeezing out BYU's Sure. You're, I mean, you're, you finished fourth in the West Coast Conference. Like, and they, you, don't look at how many bi- they don't look at how many bids by league like that. They look at individual teams. But, yeah, that was tough. So, sh- certainly. I mean, BYU was a two-seed in the NIT. They were bubblicious for, for sure. Uh, maybe take away that super bad loss and maybe one of their one of the first four out. Beat still San, not in. Beat San Francisco in the West Coast Conference. You had tournament. to beat them. You had to beat them. Beat, beat them in the West Coast Conference tournament. You have a quad one. BYU maybe sneaks in as like one of the last teams into the tournament. They didn't do it. They had opportunities. They just yes. didn't do it. Yes. Uh, we think three and five will be good enough, and then hopefully a top three finish in the West Coast Conference. And even third may not be enough. It's not about where you finish in the league, right? Okay, topic two. BYU jumps four spots in this week's AP poll, 25-21. Okay, if BYU beats the ninth-ranked Baylor, how high could the Cougars jump in your opinion? Well, based on the logic that the AP voters used with unranked Florida at home beating a top-10 team in Gainesville in number 7 Utah, then BYU would essentially flip-flop almost. Florida didn't quite get to number seven. They got all the way up to number 12, but they were, again, outside of the poll. So I'm just just using that logic. BYU probably jumps up to 11 or 12 mm. after beating Baylor. Like that, that, and that is, I mean, a 10-spot jump. It's not crazy to think that that would happen because it's so early in the season. And now it's like, okay, BYU just beat the defending Big 12 champions, which, I mean, come on, I, Top five wins don't happen often, Jerem. Top, which, top ten. Top ten wins, I should say, do mm-hmm. not happen often for BYU, which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU's got five wins all time against top ten teams when the game was played, right? Not end of the year, which we also talked about. So it's very rare, 5-22-1. Okay, let's talk about the jumps BYU has made when these wins happen. Yeah, let's do it. 2018 against Wisconsin was like this massive outlier. Like that team was 7-6. and six. BYU had just lost to Cal at home. <laughs> Nobody was giving BYU a what? chance to win in, in, at Wisconsin. Yeah, BYU wins that game. They go from unranked to 25th, so hard to know like where. BYU was ranked 20th when it beat third-ranked Oklahoma in uh, 09. 
jumped uh, 11 spots. Woo! Huge. When BYU beat Miami, it was ranked 16th. Everyone forgets that. They're like, oh, BYU had no shot. No, BYU had a shot. They were and it ranked, also wasn't the first game of the season. They were ranked 16th. Yeah. BYU's second game BYU of the season. BYU beat UTEP in, in week one. Yes. Uh, BYU jumped 11 in that one. Okay. Uh, okay. In, in 84, unranked to 13th, which it was a top 20 poll at the time, so at least eight spots. And then uh, in 85, BYU was ranked 16th when it beat uh, Air Force, who was ranked 4th. Went up five spots. I don't think BYU cracks the top 10 if, if the Cougars win this I'd say game. 11. Yeah, I 11 think they're right five. outside of it yep. somewhere. Um, but, yeah, like an eight or nine spot jump. Yeah, and then BYU goes into Eugene. Should it accomplish uh, you know, that, a win against Baylor, with this big-time game? Here's the, here's the thing, dude. If BYU loses against Baylor, unranked. Like, Instantly. And like, that, that, like, to, that to me feels un- a little bit unless silly. Unless it's like double OT and BYU Close. loses by a field goal or something, then maybe BYU holds on at like 23 or 25. Or 25. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. But if, if, B, if let's say the same game happens last year, the, Saturday, BYU yes. loses by 14. Yeah, BYU's unranked. But, but is this the most confident we've felt going into this kind of game ever? Yeah. I mean, Against you, a top 10 team where, where BYU – and you brought this up on our call this morning – when has BYU been favored yes. against a top 10 team? Like, this is very rare. Ever. This is incredible. Just think about the wins. Was BYU favored against Wisconsin? No. No way. Were they favored against Oklahoma? Heck no. Miami? Ha! That was the number one team in America. That was not going to happen. This Even is Air- unique. Maybe Air Force in Provo? Yeah, because BYU's defending national champs. They're ranked uh, 16th like, or whatever. Yeah. That kind of felt like a toss-up. I don't know what the line was. Were they making lines for those games <laughs> in 1985? Yeah, well, I was in diapers, so I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, no, BYU's never been clearly favorite in a game like this, but here they are, three-and-a-half-point favorite in Provo. Dude, I saw one line that had BYU as, like, a while ago, like an eight-point favorite. What? I was like, What? That's crazy. Yeah, I, this, this line should be tight. That doesn't mean the game's going to be close. It just, it just means, okay, going in, this is what we think is going to happen. This is a unique situation. And if BYU wins this game, it certainly is, is keeping with what we said, which is this could be a special season in BYU history. Oh, for sure. Playing. If you can get 10-2 and two out of this, you got to beat Baylor to feel confident that 10-2 and two is possible. Yeah, if what, not, you go to 9-3. and three Wouldn't it be something if BYU, okay, let's say they beat Baylor, they're the number 11 team in the country going to Oregon when Oregon began as the number 11 team in the country. And now, like, Fox is, Fox is rooting for BYU this week. Let oh, me, absolutely. Let me tell you why. Even though they have a deal with the Big 12. It's because they don't want an unranked BYU rolling into Eugene. They want a, a top 14 BYU against Oregon. Who's Oregon's gonna... one out, by the way. So if they, maybe they're number 25. Maybe they sneak in. They have yeah. A, yeah. Because they're like, whoa, Oregon's not what we thought they were, and neither is BYU. Like, yeah, come on. They don't want unranked Oregon versus BYU. BYU searching for a sixth win all time against a top 10 program. All right, our question of the day, sticking with this very topic. How big of a jump in the polls will BYU make if the Cougars beat number nine Baylor this weekend? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. First response from Chris on Twitter. He says, I'd say top 15 if BYU wins. The only way they break the top 10 is if they dominate and win by 17-plus. Honestly, (laughs) all I care about is a W. Hayden Shockley on Instagram says, Jerem, who cares as long as it's above Utah? (laughs) Would it be enough? Utah's number 13. There's a chance if BYU... uh, Like if Utah wins and... like. 
Does BYU leapfrog Utah if they uh, beat Baylor? Who's Utah playing this week? I have no idea. Uh, FCS. I want to say and it's like Southern, Southern Utah. Utah. Southern okay. Utah. Yeah. Well, okay, it could happen. Let's go. BYU leapfrogs Mc- Utah with a win over Baylor. Remember the McDonald's Woo! commercial, McWorld? McWorld. It could happen. It could happen. It could happen. BYU football clients talk is available on the BYU TV app on demand as the coach Greg Bell, Keenan Peely chatted about South Florida and Baylor, plus Chris Brooks is this week's Steve Blue. And Max Tooley joined me in the film room as he took it to the house against South Florida. And up next, BYU basketball assistant coach Nick Robinson joins us in studio to break down the non-conference schedule. Does he think there are enough tournament building opportunities on it? We'll ask him next on BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Bodyguards. Protection for a life worth living. Okay, who's juiced for some hoops? Hey, we played one football game, and uh, now I'm in basketball mode again. Let's go. <laughs> we are live at Studio C. This oh. is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Joining us now, as promised, is BYU basketball assistant coach Nick Robinson here to break down the non-conference schedule specifically. BYU has a full slate now. Nick, congratulations. I know this thing is a huge undertaking. It's finalized. No, this was easy, right? It's out. Yeah. <laughs> this was simple. Walk us through the process. What, what is it like trying to put together a schedule? Well, it's, it's super exciting to be able to go through the challenge, right, of figuring out how we can build a resume in non-conference to become a tournament team, right, as we go through conference. And so, you know, this year we've got a couple of return games. Um, we've got a couple of uh, series that are going on. But we're super excited about our MTE in the Bahamas, uh, going to Atlantis, right, start off with a great opponent with a great field. Um, And then we've got uh, at San Diego State, right, which is a great quality game early on where we'll really be tested and find out where we are. And in December, we've got a couple of in-state teams uh, that will be uh, in town. Uh, We've got uh, uh, Utah on December 17th. No familiar faces on that Uh, roster, (laughs) Steph. And Utah Valley on December 7th. Hey, there's uh, some hell to pay there with you of you. (laughs) Welcome back. Welcome back. Okay, let's talk about uh, what we were discussing, which is uh, enough quality games to get into the tourney or not. What, do you have a target of like, uh, okay, we're hoping there's this many quad ones, this many quad twos, you project, you look at the net from the last year, the last five years, whatever. What are you looking at to assess, okay, what, how many teams we need of what we think uh, will be required to make the tournament? Yeah, so right now, right, we believe that there's six to eight, right, quad one or quad two projected teams uh, on our schedule in non-conference to start. In non-conference. In non-conference. And, and that's taking into account where you play the games. Exactly, well. yeah. right. So whether you're at home, you're on a neutral site. Yeah. And so our goal, right, in projecting out is right around five or six to seven, mm. right, quad one or quad two in the non-conference. And then clearly you have Gonzaga, right, which yep. is always a quad one. No matter right, where you in play. In conference. And then, right, then the, the next two or three teams in league, right, depending on where you're playing will be quad two or quad one. Yeah, and then uh, next year, will that change dramatically given how tough the Big 12 schedule will be? It does, right? In the Big 12, right, we have 18 conference games. 16 of those, right, will be quad one or quad two, right? And so our 
our non-conference schedule will adjust. I'm sweating thinking about that. Like I'm excited, but I'm also nervous. And so that yeah, that number probably changes, right? In non-conference of okay, we don't need to be as aggressive at a, as a high major. Yeah, well, when you, when you add, right, the SEC challenge, which takes place at the end of January, as well as the Big East challenge, which takes place right after Thanksgiving sometime in early December. You guys will add the Three. Big Sky challenge right. and, the, and the Big West challenge. Well, right, right now, right, in a given season, we've had anywhere from 11 to 13 quad one or quad two games. Sure. Yeah. And you get 17 or 18 before you even schedule any like, in the non-conference. Like, do we need a quad one in non-conference? Like, technically, you wouldn't. So it's interesting. It is interesting. It's a different way of scheduling. But this year's schedule, right, yeah. Yeah. we feel, right, will help prepare us just like it did last year, yeah. Yeah. right, to be right there at the end of the year yes. when it comes to NCAA tournament. Way time. to bring it back. Sorry, I was excited yes. about next year. Nick Robinson is with us, BYU <laughs> basketball assistant coach. How do you use this year to prepare for the onslaught that you're going to face next year just from the scheduling perspective? You know, from a scheduling perspective, it's two very, very different approaches. And so this year, we're focused on this year. We aren't even thinking about what's going to prepare us for next year because that schedule will be very, very different than this year's schedule. Okay, uh, talk about, uh, you you mentioned the ones that stick out. Um, In in men's hoops, you are rewarded for a strength of schedule. the, The metrics in this sport are the best of any sport because the committee actually looks at them and makes them public. So it's fun for us in January to go, this road game at pick your destination means this. Um, what, what is it like for you guys to assess not only in preseason in making the schedule, but also in season of this is what we need to do and this is why this game matters more than, say, in the past you didn't have those matches. Yeah, well, as you know, Coach Pope is very analytical in his approach, right? And that is also in our scheduling. And so as we go throughout the season, right, not only are we analyzing our team, but we're also analyzing exactly what it is we need to do game by game. Now, clearly, we'd love to go undefeated and win every game. But based on whether we're at home, right, whether away, whether at a neutral site, right, it does have a little bit more implication as we get towards March. September 26th, first day of practice, uh, unbelievably, that is 19 days away. And, and then basketball season for you guys officially begins. What can you tell us about this roster uh, that we might not know and, and why you feel like they're ready for a, a challenging schedule like this? Because frankly, I mean, Jeremy and I feel like we know quite a bit, but it's a brand new team. So what, what, why does this team stack up well with the schedule and the opportunities in front of them? Yeah, I mean, in terms of the guys that are returning to our roster, right, we've seen tremendous growth, right, in their progress just this summer, right? I mean, Spencer and Gideon, Foos, Atiki, right, Trey Stewart, those guys have done a tremendous job, right, of working on their bodies, right, of working on their game in specific areas that we feel are going to help them, right, help us. In addition, right, their leadership has grown. And so we expect them, right, to continue to, right, advance and and bring their experience into the games that are on our schedule this year, right? And then we've added, right, some guys that have been, played some very high-level basketball, right, in Noah Waterman, right, in Jax Robinson, and in Rudy Williams, right? Those guys have been at a high level, right, over the past few years. And so we're going to need their experience, right, as we get through some, get to some, you know, adversity, Right to be able to overcome that in the games, but also to be able to right respond on the next game. Yeah, how many games does it take for a new group like this to gel? Like, do you, do you give them like a, a little bit of a waiting period? How many games do they need before they're like, okay, we're a team? 
Well, we, we feel like, right, as we go through practice, we're building that right away. Like you said, we're 19 days away from, right, the first practice. And then we've got, right, the blue-white scrimmage, and we've got Midnight Madness, and we've got our closed scrimmage and our exhibition. And so we feel in those four or five games, they've got to be ready come November 7th, which okay. is 61 games, 61 days away. Yeah. Right? He and knows. We, we got to we go right now. counting down. Let's go. <laughs> I love that you're they counting down. They got the down. paper chain in the office, and they rip one every day. What role did the slip and slide play the other day in uh, ensuring you make the NCAA tournament? You know, the slip and slide, <laughs> right, is a real metaphor for, right, this season, right? you got to mm. build up the courage to get ready for game number one, yeah. right? Yeah. Speed. And some guys, right, you know, it takes a little bit of time. The water's cold, right? It's dark outside, right? The slide might be a little too fast. You're a little nervous about the baby soap that might get in your eyes. The soap's a real right? issue it's in the eyes. It's a thing. Eyes. Why put you the know? soap in there? But as soon as you slippery. make that jump, as soon too as you slippery. make that jump, we are moving. Okay. Right? We're going okay. super fast. And you might have a pose on the way every now and again, right? <laughs> For the camera. <laughs> <laughs> Got to have. Yeah, yeah, you have a big win, a swag moment, exactly. right? You know. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, but ultimately, right. It was great because every single person, right, got an opportunity to do it, and we're all in this together, right, from day one to get all the way to March. What hey, is the hey, idea? I don't know what I expected. I, that, I, that, that was incredible. That was incredible. That was way better. That was incredible. What's the identity of this team, Nick? What, what is the core of this team as far as an identity goes? You know, I think we're building that identity right now, right? Coach Pope, right, as you know, right, we've been talking about this for three years since we got here. Our identity right now is to get better every day, right, to be relentless in our approach, right, to strive to have the best locker room in America, right, through all the ups and downs. But again, right, this identity, the identity for this team, right, is still being established. Right? We're excited for what's ahead of us. We're excited for right, the adjustments right, that Coach Pope and Coach Fieger right, have made right, for this team. And we'll see what happens when we get there. What kind of adjustments are you referring to? Well, in terms of uh, you know, the personnel that we have, right, we feel like we're probably the longest team right, that we've been mm. right, uh, over the past three years. Right. We've got some, uh, you know, youth, right, that's going to be able to come in and have some opportunities. Right. But we've got a nice mix of veterans and newcomers. And so we want to be able to see what we can do in terms of playing. Right. You know, the style of basketball that's going to suit this team. Right. And their length and their capabilities. So, so the roster dictates sort of the uh, the philosophy on offense and defense to some degree. Ab absolutely. Like, I mean, how do we use Noah Waterman at 6'10", shooting threes? Yeah. Very much so. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, so you brought us some guys that have worked, you said, have made great progress over the summer. One in particular I want to ask about, and that is Atiki Ali Atiki. Where have you seen him make the most progress? Because rim protection, we were wondering about. Like, oh, a bunch of guys are leaving. Like, who... Who besides Atiki can play center? Like so, how has Atiki developed? Yeah, Atiki right a year ago had played very limited basketball through his high school experience. He got thrown in the fire at the end of November and did a tremendous job right with the role that he was given. Right this summer, he's really focused right on his decision making, on his passing, right, and his defensive right ability and IQ. Right, and so the game, right, the speed of the game was all brand new, and so he's been able to see that now for a year. And so this summer, right, he's really been focused in a few areas, right, that we feel are gonna be able to help, right, our team. Um, but clearly, he brings a lot of energy, right, brings a lot of rim protection, and we love those, right, yeah, you know, amazing yeah. dunks, right, that, Absolutely. that he provides, right, for everybody. Yeah, his, his uh, I think three days in a row, we talked about him jumping. Yeah. Just, just <laughs> yeah. his leaping ability, yes. right? 
Okay, when it comes to games, we talk about trap games. Oh, there's this easier game before this really hard game. Da, da, da. This season could be a trap season, but I get the sense that you guys aren't focused on the Big 12 at all. Like, that will come later. It's this final year in the Big 12. I don't get the sense that any team on campus is looking at next year as opposed to this year right in front of them because guess what? There's a lot of WCC teams that want to pick you off in the final year. Is that accurate? Are you guys are really focused on this year. Yeah, just like our fall sports right now are focused on this year and the next game, we're going to be the same, right? I mean, cross country, volleyball, football, soccer, right? They're all in top 25 right now because they're focused right here and now, right? And as we enter, right, you know, our season, right, with, you know, women's basketball and swim and dive and everybody else, we want to stay focused right here and right now. The Big 12 is super exciting. It's super scary, right, as Coach Pope has said. But that's still, right, nine months months away, right? And so right now we've got a real opportunity, right, to take one game at a time, to focus on our non-conference schedule, and be ready for the WCC, right? Gonzaga is still a Let's top go. five team. Let's go. And we Bre- still breaking have a, news. And we yeah. still have an opportunity, right, to go away with a championship. For sure. Nick Robinson, I know you will be focused in, you'll be dialed in and ready for Cougar Canyon on Saturday because the basketball team is going to be there from 6.30 to 7.30 Mountain Time. Uh, I don't know if you can bring a slip and slide. Maybe you can work something out there. Can you imagine that down Cougar Canyon? Uh, I'm, just, I'm just throwing it out here. there. Hey, all I'm saying is I'd love to see you two on the slip and slide. Fair enough. <laughs> That'd be fun. Fair enough. Just minimal soap. Maybe no soap. <laughs> like, no come soap. on. Come Nick, on. congratulations on putting together a great schedule. Good luck uh, as practice begins on September 26th. We'll see you soon. Great team effort. We're super excited. And all we'll right. be Nick there. Robinson, we will this be is there. BYU basketball. Okay, after further reviews on demand as Dave Blaine and David break down what happened against South Florida, preview the home opener against Baylor. Not sure if you heard, top 10 team coming into Provo Center. It's available now on the BYU TV app. And what is the special something that Baylor's defense has in store for BYU when it comes to stopping Puka Nakua? They said they got something for that. What does that mean? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. To interact with the show and get content throughout the whole day. Yep. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Tiki Tashi. He is Jeremiah Spencer. Let's whip it! Cougar Whip Around presented by Maris, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Brother Taysom Hill's $10.1 million salary this year makes him the ninth highest paid tight end in the NFL. Will he be a top 10 tight end this season? If the Saints utilize him properly, yes. Why not? Why would you not throw the ball and target Taysom Hill specifically if you want him to be a primary tight end? My concern is they just won't utilize him enough in that position. He's not currently the starter at tight end for even the Saints. Yeah. Adam, that's Adam Troutman. You um, paid him 10 million bucks. Well, part of that was just in case he was a quarterback. He's also um, the backup quarterback. Well, third string. But yeah, because they have Randy Dalton as well. Um, if he's a top 20 tight end in the NFL, that would be incredible. That would be, <laughs> that would be incredible. awesome. Like, for him to just jump into the top 10 is like quite a stretch. But if he's top 20, honestly, that's amazing. Right now, top 15, PFF, you'd have to be better than Zach Ertz of the Cardinals. Like, that feels like that's a lot. Because how's he going to be as a blocker? Like, obviously, as a pass catcher, it's going to be awesome. 
but uh, how is he in the run game? Well, and how much will they utilize him in other places? Is he going to return kicks? Is he going to play on special teams? Is he going to do all the other things that he has done at this point, or is he just a tight end? Yeah, and my comments are just about being a tight right. end. If, if you're looking at all the ways he can affect the game, yeah, he's worth 10 million. Sure, for sure, for sure. That's some yeah. easy tithing, tithing math right there. Top 10 tight end? That's a lot to ask, <laughs> unless he's the starting tight end, which he is not. Yeah, and maybe they use two effectively. We'll see. Does this year's BYU-Utah rivalry escalate, in men's basketball specifically, to a new level with three members of last year's team now joining the team up north? Assistant coach Chris Burgess, Gavin Baxter, and announced yesterday Hunter Erickson. Not really. It'll be good to see those guys. There's no vitriol. It's all friendly and fun with those guys. Chris is going back to where he played his last two years of college. It was fun to have him here while we had him. He's a good coach. No, I don't I don't feel those feelings as it pertains to those guys. Uh I feel it a little bit because I'm, I'm I wish Gavin Baxter were still at BYU. I love Gavin. I do too. I saw him after the Killers concert last Tuesday walking across the street. What's up, Gav? That, I saw it. that that one that one stinks. I'm like, ah, I wish Gavin would have finished his career at BYU, but sure. I love the kid. I'm happy for him. I hope he does well. But that if there were something that would escalate it for me, it's like Gavin choosing Utah over BYU, that escalates it up just a little bit. And if me. Gavin has this monster game and Utah wins, that, that, yes. now those feelings emerge a little well, bit. Right? We should add this, just another little element. It's the Gideon George shoe game, BYU-Utah. So, I mean, there are a lot of things happening here in the rival. There's a feel-good with the Gideon George, but then maybe some not-so-feel-goods. There's all a feel-bad because it's defecting to the other side. Utah, yeah. Do we feel that BYU women's soccer being ranked 13th is about where they belong? Yes, rankings are uh, at this point of the season, they are given as to what you have accomplished. Okay, you have, BYU has earned number 13. Like, I know they've been in the top 10 all year, but frankly, when you tie Colorado at home, you lose to an unranked Alabama at home, and really only have you really only have the road win at Ohio State to your credit. Yep, like. So there's some give and take. I feel like, yeah, BYU is probably right where they belong. Now, that's not to say they can't go out and do, like dominate Arkansas, but Arkansas is in a position that Alabama and Colorado were, were just outside the top 25, and BYU's had Similar some vibes. issues with those teams. Yeah, I, I said when BYU got ranked third, I felt like BYU should be like 12 to 16 range. So now BYU's in that. I think this is a perfect spot. And in what world is being ranked 13th bad in any it's way? Not, like, it's not. It's great. This is a great spot. And Pepperdine's number 10. So BYU's got at least one top 10 What's team. Santa Clara? I Santa Clara's loved. not ranked. Santa Clara's had a little bit of a drop off. Okay. Yeah. Well, BYU's probably happy. BYU's got Pepperdine on the schedule <laughs> still as well. And Santa Clara will still be a quality game. Yeah. How about this, Jerem? Yesterday, Baylor defensive back Mark Milton said the following when he was asked about BYU quarterback Jaron Hall. Um, he's a he's an extremely smart player. You know, he knows where he wants to put the ball and when he wants to put the ball, and and he doesn't he doesn't like put it out there to get interceptions or anything. You know, what I mean, he he places it where he knows you know he'll get a catch. You know, he he doesn't you know gamble with it too much, but he will throw the ball to number 12, and that's, we got something for that. All right, we've got something for that. What the heck does that mean? What is that something? What, what, um, what is the something that they have for that? So let's talk about it. So last year, BYU threw for 342 and uh, a touch from Jaron Hall, efficiency of 174. That's a really good statistical game. That's because BYU's behind uh, most of this game, and they've got to throw to try and catch up, okay? 
You guys gotta establish the run. I, it was a monster passing game. You put up 24 points, not enough points for that many passing yards. Puka had an incredible game, five for 168 and two. BYU's gotta be able to have Christopher Brooks and Lopini Katoa and Jaron Hall as he had that 50 yard run on fourth and one or whatnot, right? Gotta have that um, 53. Gotta have that in this game. It, it can't be a catch-up game again sure, against that really sure. good Baylor defense. Okay, well, expect double teams on Puka Nakua. I'm guessing that's sure. what it comes to. Expect, and he's expect in him to be double teamed. Injury. Yeah, and expect a lot of cover two because Jaron Hall threw his interception into cover two. He's thrown a few of those with cover two defense, so I'd imagine we'll see a lot of that from Baylor, and we'll see some double teams so, for Puka Nakua. So look for nickel and diming down the field, as BYU does effectively, to its array of 12 different receivers that it threw to on Saturday. I don't care how BYU scores, just that it scores. It doesn't need to be explosive every time. Sometimes, yeah, sure. Can Puka Nakua still get down the field in this game? Yes, but uh, let, let's just see BYU put, get to the 30s. Baylor never gave up 31 points in a game last year. Like, their defense is good, and they still have Siasi Ika from Salt Lake City playing in front of the hometown crowd. Well, we got something for that, too. <laughs> and it's Blake Freeland. Yep. Tune in to BYU Sports Nation game day Saturday at 8 Eastern time as Dave cooks a football from Cougar Canyon and inside the stadium. Lots of great stuff coming up Saturday, 8 Eastern time. If you're local, come hang out at Cougar Canyon and be on the show in the background. It's going to be awesome, man. Real pigskin. Delicious. <laughs> up next, my one-on-one -on -one with BYU tight end Dallin Holker. And they can't guard everyone if they're double teaming Puka Nakua. That's Maybe that, that means big things for uh, the BYU tight ends. This is BYU Sports Nation. What's up with that? The first of what we hope are many touchdowns for Dallin Holker this season. Mm -hmm. Welcome back to BYU Sports Station alongside Jerem Jordan. I'm Spencer Linton. Recently, I had a chance to speak with Dallin Holker to rate his touchdown catch, the celebration after, and how BYU is a different team this go-around compared to where they were against Baylor last year. One-on-one -on -one with Dallin Holker. Dallin, I talked to you after the game and celebrated your touchdown with you, and you know, there's good emotions after a 50-point outburst like that. But now that you've had the weekend to review film and look at things, what was the best thing you saw from your team overall? Um, you know, I feel like we did a good job playing together as a team. Uh, you know, you can never play a perfect football game. But, you know, I feel like we did good individually or you know, like as a team. And individually, we all kind of did our assignments and did our job. So, you know, it's always fun to, you know, kind of see that. And it's fun to see the outcome of that when everybody does their job. I mean, you can always learn so much from film, and that's, I think, is a huge part is you just got to learn and then, you know, keep stacking it on and try to become better each and every week. Okay, let's stay with that learning theme after you've been critiquing yourself and your team. What, what has to change at, upon film review for BYU to get better in week two? Uh, you know, I think the first that first week there's a lot of uh, – different types of excitement and nerves and all types of things going on. And it's just kind of like getting back to playing a game. So, you know, I think there's different situations and different things that happen. So, you know, I think just uh, being more sound could be like on our blocking and on uh, our assignments. So just probably like little things like that, just becoming better and seeing different things that defense does and just learning from it and becoming better. I know you're tough on yourself. And this is what makes a lot of BYU players great. You're really tough on yourselves. 
what grade would you give your personal performance in week number one against South Florida? <laughs> That's a tough question. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. It's tough. I don't like, you know, answering. Those types of things. <laughs> not like I did pretty good. I, I mean, there's always things I could do better, but you know, I'm not quite sure what I, what I could grade myself on that. <laughs> I'm going to give you an A minus. Okay. Because it was really good. And, but just an, a little bit of room to improve. And it's probably an A minus because dang it. I wanted you to spike the football or something. when You got <laughs> into the end zone. How would you rate your celebration after the touchdown catch? My celebration was terrible. I, uh, <laughs> no, I actually, uh, I kind of, I, when I caught the ball, I saw a guy like quarter of my eye and then, I kind of dove into the end zone and my momentum kept me rolling. So I did like three rolls and I couldn't stand up. So my, my celebration is pretty weak because, you know, I was on the ground rolling for so long. <laughs> it's okay. A minus room to grow there, right? That's room true. to grow. <laughs> That's true. And you can always talk to Isaac Rex because he's got like 17 pre-planned celebrations in his mind <laughs> at all times, right? Yeah, it's true. He's a man. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, as far as the tight end position group goes, uh, what types of things are you looking for during film critique? Um, you know, I think just whether, you know, as, as a tight end, there's a lot of different things that we do, whether it's pass blocking, run blocking, uh, running routes. So I think it's important for us to, you know, see what we can do better on routes, like recognize the coverages and also our blocking technique. You know, did we get the right man? So. And even in the past game, sometimes they, you know, do different types of blitzes. So there's all those little things that we can always, you know, try to critique and, and be better at for the next week and this week of practice. What was your favorite play from the 50-point outburst week one win against USF? Uh, I think the first play, the very first play of the game, that was, uh, you know, just crazy. I, you know, pretty simple play, but, you know, Puga just took it to the house, got a few blocks and, you know, it just was crazy. Everybody was going crazy. I remember I was running down the field and Jaron kind of came by and screaming in my ear and then everybody started going crazy. So it was, you know, fun, a fun environment, a uh, fun time after that play. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, you're involved in the blocking there, Dallin. So what was happening uh, from your position? Uh, yeah, we just kind of, you know, both went out to block and uh, nobody was really there. And then last second, I saw a guy kind of coming inside so his kind of you know, nowadays you can't really crack back too hard or else they'll call a flag. So kind of just, you know, crack back a little bit and threw my shoulder into him. And, you know, luckily it was the right guy and Puka was able to make a great read off of it and took it to the house. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable start to the season. First play from scrimmage, 75 yards. A dream start for sure. Yeah. BYU is hoping that dream continues into week two against Baylor. So as we transition into preparation for the Bears – what do you know about Baylor's defense and what they're going to try and do to slow down your offense? Uh, you know, Baylor is a great team overall. They're a very sound team, uh, disciplined. They have a, a lot of good athletes on their team. And, uh, you know, it's always a, a fun matchup when you can go up against a team like that because, uh, you know, especially when it's home at Lavelle Edwards, uh, you know, it's just fun going against those great teams like that. So it'll be a fun game. From a personnel standpoint, um, which of their players or position groups jumped out uh, off of film? If you've had chance to watch film, and maybe you haven't gotten into that too much, but what, what's jumping off the page from Baylor? Um, you know, I think uh, they have a really good uh, overall defense. Uh, you know, they have a really good defensive line. 
and some good linebackers that are returning. So, you know, it's always um, good to go up against guys like that. And their secondary is good. So, you know, overall, they have a really good defense. And so it'll be a fun time, to, a fun opportunity to play against them. How are you a different player this year compared to what type of player you were last year when BYU played Baylor? Oh, man. I mean, you know, last year, uh, just coming back from a mission, you know, there's so many different things that you have to try to do to get ready for the season and try to get your body right and mentally get right. And, uh, you know, it takes a while for your body to get back in, into, you know, shape. And even it's like just football, like uh, just like little things on the field. And so, you know, last year it's more thinking about, uh, you know, like thinking about every single rep, but this year it's a little more like instincts, like the instincts come back. And so I'm a lot more confident out there and I feel a lot more better than I did last year. So it's good. <laughs> okay. Uh, does that confidence come in part to the mustache that you're currently rocking on your face right now? A hundred percent. Whenever I have the mustache, the confidence just, you know, goes through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> uh, while we're talking about Mojo and Swagger, uh, the uniforms for the Baylor game were unveiled early this week. All Royals, you're going with a gloss finish Royal helmet. How do you feel about the uniforms you're going to be rocking for the home opener? Uh, you know, I think they're awesome. You know, I think our guys uh, down there do a great job at switching it up and, you know, making good, uh, good like different color schemes and, and stuff like that. And it's always fun, you know, to, I mean, you look good, you play good. So it's always cool. Yeah those uniforms and different types of thing to look forward to. It's cool. Do you have a favorite uniform combo? If so, what is it? Um, I actually liked the all Navy with the Navy matte helmet. I think those mm. ones are, are my favorite. Those are cool. Yeah. Those are super clean for sure. Okay. Well, you're all Royal on Saturday night running out of the tunnel. It's going to be primetime kick uh, just after 8 PM for what we anticipate will be certainly a top 25 showdown, a top 10 team, maybe Baylor climbs inside the top 10 this week. We'll find out. But wh what have you envisioned that atmosphere and that experience will be like? Um, you know, I think it'll be amazing. Uh, whenever you come to the Bell Edwards, you know, you always get amazing fans who are screaming and, and going crazy and, you know, rooting for BYU. And, you know, that's the type of fans that we have is, you know, they travel with us. I mean, I'm sure we had more. It seemed like we had more fans than USF, so that was pretty cool. But, I mean, LFL, they packed the house, and they're loud, and so we're looking forward to it. It'll be fun. Last question for you, Dallin. As a tight end and as a pass catcher, it's very difficult to ever be content with receiving the ball enough. So how do you get the ball thrown to you more from Jaron Hall? You know, just try to get open. <laughs> I think, you know, <laughs> You know, gaining his confidence in me and uh, really just, you know, I think a lot of it comes from just studying film and, you know, knowing what defenses are doing and trying to find those holes. Or uh, I think it's a huge part it comes from doing that and just knowing where to be at the right time and right place. Dallin, congratulations again on a week one win. I would love to give you some BYU Sports Nation karma to go out, ball out against Baylor on Saturday night. So I am extending the BYU Sports Nation karma to you. Thank you. And uh, can't wait to watch you uh, take the field on Saturday night. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. One of those talented tight ends, Jaron. I'm very excited about him. Three for 39 and a touchdown. Junior year. I've said this before. A lot of times we're like, dude, did you see Dallin Holker's stats in high school? He's got to come in and do something. Freshman year. Showed some really bright spots, yeah. right? 
Um, last year, not used uh, you know a ton. There are a lot of great options on that team. Now is the time for him as a junior and, and senior to really show us what he can do. And I'm very excited. There's so many weapons. He's one of many, especially a tight end there with Isaac Rex. Let's go. And Mason Wake. Like, that's great. Okay, this season, BYU is teaming up with Scavengers app to bring you weekly challenges for a chance to win prizes. In honor of this week's Baylor game, enter the word Marigold oh. in the app for your chance to win a Steve Young signed football. Okay. Next level swag. Rise and shout out up next to one of the Mannings, but which one? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. You demand it, we give it. BYU Sports Nation can be found on the BYU TV and BYU Radio apps and download podcasts on your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe, rate, and Our question of the day, how big of a jump in the polls will BYU football make if, I know, it's a big if, but if, come on, the Cougars beat Baylor this weekend? By the way, I asked the question, Cougar stats delivered, uh, when has BYU been favored against top 10 teams? Most recently, 2012 at home against Oregon State, BYU was about a five-point favorite. Lost that game. Okay, lost that game. All-time Oregon State team, by the way. Okay. Well, the best one is. Do we feel like this BYU team is better than the 2012 BYU team? Yeah. Yes. Yes, we do. Our elite voice today, as promised again, presented by Sundance Mountain Resort, answering how big of a jump BYU make. James underscore B underscore Cat on Instagram says, BYU will move into the top 15 if they beat Baylor. They must jump. In Baylor early, give them no opportunity to build on Baylor rather. Give them no opportunity to build belief. Okay, let's go. Don't play catch up. That was the wrong. That was the problem with the Oregon State games. Spicy catch up from Whataburger though. Rise and shout out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. But to Eli Manning and the BYU quarterbacks for giving us uh, something super cool. Can't wait to watch it. Special on the quarterback. Can't wait to watch. Oh, thanks uh, to today's guest, Nick Robinson, down in Holker. Sorry to Dennis Pitta. No time, Dennis. For Jerem, I am Spencer. Shout out to Steve Lindsley. Nice. See you tomorrow for another live, brand new BYU Sports Nation back here in Studio C. We'll get back to Studio B at some point. Soon enough. But for now, go Cougs. <laughs>